So those people who evaluate and those whose activities and experience are being evaluated, they come together because their interests overlap. Their interests overlap. The interest is how children can learn well, develop well, and flourish well. I'm excited that you can join us. I'm Robin Stratton Burkessel, the host, creator, and producer of this show. A reminder that this season of the Positivity Strategies podcast is a collaboration with the Taos Institute. We're focusing on the topic of constructionist practices as social innovation. And I'm talking to authors who've contributed to this book, The Sage Handbook of Social Constructionist Practice. Dr. Chateau Gill is Senior Fellow of a number of prestigious institutes in the UK. Through research, grassroots projects and her writings, Chateau explores ways to implement ideas such as deep dialogue and the ethics of caring, well-being and flourishing in social transformation, harmony and peace. Chateau I'm very pleased that our conversation focuses on your transformative work in the educational sector and the chapter that you have co-authored with Dr. Ken Gergen for the SAGE Handbook. Your chapter is entitled Educational Evaluation, a Relational Perspective. I'm curious, and I often ask my guests, if there were any indicators or were there any kinds of inklings that you had or you're aware of now that when you were growing up that may have influenced for you to make this kind of contribution to the world? Oh, thank you, Robin, for this introduction. And um, I'm also very excited to be here and and, uh, to explore with you many questions that concerns the goodness in the world. Um, I think, um, think about schooling. Like most children, I grew up without really consciously reflecting on my schooling. It it was a chore that all children had to do. But what was interesting for me was that, in fact, I go to school to hang out with my friends. And the friendship of my friends actually was what sustained me, enriched me, and inspired me to become a better person. So... In, in some ways, in and for other children, for some lucky ones, friends can include their teachers. But for me, these are relational dimension of schooling. That is always the secondary because we go to school. We're supposedly to go to school for other things, and so that was the beginning. If you said an inkling when I was growing up, that would be the interested in relationships and the importance of relationships in our life. Yeah, that's, it seems very mature perspective to have at a young age. I suppose all the children, if you ask young people that, why they go to school, they would say, well, I go to school because of my friends. (laughs) So um, yeah, relationship is important. Well, clearly from social construction perspective a person is always already 
social being. For instance, for us as human beings, we are everybody, whoever we are, wherever we are, we are always already part of a, a community or part of a society. And therefore our life are lived in relation to other people. Now you can expand that to other beings in nature. So the content of, um, of our consciousness is almost like formed by the social meaning. Um, and for me also human well-being is constituted in part by our relations. It's like when I go to school, I, I go to school for my friends, with my friends, and you know to, to deepen those friendships, these relationships, they are part of my good life, my, my happiness, my well-being. So when we mention how relationships contribute to well-being, it doesn't mean that a person is actually, each of us is an autonomous individual. The relationships, they are not a ladder we step on in order to achieve self-actualization. And when I say relationship, we already constitute well-being because we say, really, other people, other, other, other things in nature, they are already integral to our, our well-being. In that sense, relationship cannot have that individualistic assumption and from the theoretical perspective, Ken Gergen would have argued that it is within the process of relating that our world comes to be where it is for each of us. So yeah. the meaning, the meaningfulness of the world, of our life, and the um, understanding of, the, of these meaning and our relationship with, with those around us, all that is informed, but also shaped our action in the world and our moral and ethical horizons. Yeah. Chateau, you mentioned you brought in uh, Dr. Ken Gergen, and I mentioned that he's um, co-author of this particular chapter. And you are talking uh, in this chapter about the relational perspective, all the things that you've just talked about, with regards to evaluation in education. So this is the chapter title, Education Evaluation Through This Relational Perspective. And you say that, in a sense, this kind of evaluation not only enhances learning, but principally it needs to be part of the learning process itself. I wonder if you would speak to that. Yes. Okay. Let's first start with um, evaluation. Good. This is the word that you do not always hear in schools or in education because the alternative word or this mainstream word is, you probably guessed, assessment. Mm -hmm. it, assessment often in the form of some kind of measurement. And the children um, in schools, they, the, the greatest fear and the greatest pressure put them under by exam scores performance targets and for teachers is to do with the school setting school rankings and so on so these things are all come under assessment and so what is assessment why do we need to assess the children can we use a, 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 another word to to describe this process okay let's go back 
So assessment, assessment is really aimed at institutional accountability. It's about raising educational standards. And, um, and the schools wants to reflect on its own process, wants to know that they're doing, doing well. They want to know that they spend the government's money well. They want parents to feel confident that they're doing a good job. But the question is, is those kind of measuring measurement-based system or, or forms of assessment, do they really serve the purpose? Because ultimately, we have to ask a second question, what is education for? This is a very seldom answered question. What is education for? Is it for um, better performance? Is it for tech school? Is it for competitiveness so that you can get a better job? Perhaps, but fundamentally, education should be about the flourishing of the child, of the mm -hmm. young person. And the flourishing, as we started with, is a holistic, has to be a holistic sense. It's to do with their well-being. And there is an often quoted um, phrase by uh, John Dewey, that is, education is not, is not merely preparation for life. It's actually should be life itself. Mm -hmm. So it captured it all that the aim of education should be the well-being and the flourishing of the child in and through education itself. So, but if you say education is only about passing those measurement-based assessment, then you missed out the real essence and the real content of education. Now, so that's one part. Well, let's go back to evaluation. Is it evalu why we prefer to use the word evaluation rather than assessment? If you say education is about flourishing the child, then it's about learning the process of learning because process of learning is what enables the, the being and the becoming of the person that each child is meant to be. And so learning is to do with unfolding of the person is to do with the, the, the growth and development of the person. Now, if that's the case, education should review, examine, inquire into those educative process mm -hmm. so that we know whether the child's is where the child's are developing, how they're developing. Mm -hmm. So, um, and when we reflect on this process, we will look at, um, review this process, or we provide feedback so that the child can be more self-reflective of this process. Evaluation is rooted in the word value and the valuing, evaluation. So if we focus on value and the valuing, then it becomes the reflection or the exploration or the review of learning is to appreciate the value in the activities or the learning or in the becoming themselves. Yes. So then that's why we're drawn to evaluation. It's much, much more sort of proactive, but it's much more appreciative. Mm -hmm. So, so the first, therefore the, the value, the focus on values and the valuing is important. Just the language itself, um, just examining what, messages are coming through what stories we're telling ourselves when we hear different language so thank you very much exactly the 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 uh, um, social construction 
often prioritize the metaphors yes. and the words and language because it's in language that we construct meaning of, of, our, of our experience and the world. So just by shifting from assessment, which is judging and, and, mm-hmm. and distance, to value and the valuing, evaluation, mm-hmm. so that immediately you shift the, the, the focus from the traditional way when you assess something, what you want to identify is students' deficiency. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Then the value and the value is the, the intrinsic value and, and the, the appreciative dimension. And you draw out those potentiality, possibility and opportunity for growth and development. Yes, it makes such sense when you start to examine the derivation of the language. And so then move now to the relational perspective of beginning to look at um, education as this possibility of growth and becoming and growing and valuing. So bring in now the relational piece. Yes, so again, why we call it relational approach to evaluation is when you you think about, um, we need to go back to the very beginning, we talk about um, relationships already constituted in our well-being. So if being itself is relational, and if relational relationship is core to our well-being, we cannot go about any activity that's independent of relationship. Mm-hmm. So if you think about evaluation, how do we actually value learning process? and how in valuing that we, we, we allow those potentiality to come forth. We do that with each other. So the withness is important. So evaluation is effectively a process of a core inquiry. So evaluation is when you look at, we inquire into the value of something. So that's an inquiry. You be curious about the, the process of education. You are interested in what give life to, to that process. Mm. And, but you do that with other people. So the core inquiry becomes how education evaluation can be carried out. And that precisely brings the relational dimension to this process. In other words, evaluation, educational evaluation emerges from those generative relationships amongst those who participate in the evaluation. So it's not uh, like the tax person coming in and, mm-hmm. and make a judgment on you. So it's like subject object relationship. Mm-hmm. Whereas educational evaluation is one is co-inquiry. So those people who evaluate and those whose activities and experience are being evaluated, they come together because their interest overlap the interests overlap the interest is how children can learn well develop well and flourish well on the topic of learning and flourishing if you're interested in your own development take a listen to dr mary gergen one of the co-founders of the taos institute on development the taos institute hosts global conferences focused on topics related to social construction Over the years, the conferences have addressed themes such as relational practices in health and healthcare, exploring relational practices in peace building, mediation, and conflict transformation, 
and enriching appreciative and collaborative practices across cultural borders. To learn about the Institute's upcoming conferences, visit taosinstitute.net slash taos-conferences. And now returning to my conversation with Dr. Sherto Gill. I want to get into some um, specific examples of where you're seeing this in action. Uh, and before we go there, Chateau, I would like to um, ask this more provocative question. I think it's provocative in the sense that what do you say to those people who really get this and they want to bring breathe life into the learning um, experiences and into the evaluation of the learning processes to help move beyond the, you know, the traditional constraints that we have. And I'm thinking there, and these are not only applied to educational institutions, but they apply to organizational contexts. They apply to, um, you know, even faith-based, um, you know, um, religious institutions where we, we bump up against things like efficiency and speed and, you know, objective, object, objective measurement. You know, they're the kinds of things that the status quo is saying that we need to recognize and live into. And we know what pressures those kinds of constraints puts on all the stakeholders, you know, both the students and the teachers and the parents. And, you know, we bring the whole system into the into this equation. So what's the encouragement? I mean, how do you train people, you know, teachers, for example, or policy people about this? Have you had any experience or what have you been discovering with the application of this? Robin, you packed about 10 important questions in, of the century into one sentence. And uh, um, it, it's, it's interesting. It's interesting. Just today in The Guardian, you know, the Guardian is a UK um, a, a newspaper, and in The Guardian, there is an article. It says one in 20 teachers have mental health problems lasting more than a year. There you go. And, um, and there the, are the, the, the more examples, you know, young people, um, um, mental health problems, young people self doing self harm, people commit suicide, and and so on. And um, and you said, well, we, we it's not just a schooling, isn't it? It's kind of um, um, stifling culture. This measurement based culture is a stifling culture that really put our many institutions in this kind of, in other words, lots of people in many institutions are imprisoned. But this accountability agenda mm. and the, the evidence-based accountability, measurement-based, evidence-based, what, of, what is evidence? We have constructed these realities, but they're yes. not necessarily serving us. So what can we reimagine in terms of, and this is where social construction can help us. Yes. I, in a way that um, we have to go back for, for all these um, um, institutions, especially in, in education, we need to go back and say, why are we assessing? Why are we measuring? Why are we evaluating? Yes, so change the term evaluation to 
relocate um, values at the core of this process and relocate a relationship, the core of a process, it doesn't, doesn't answer the question because we have to go back and say, why are we doing this? Of course, people say, we want, to, we want efficiency, we want to save money, we want to um, make sure that we are all highly productive members of society. Then the question is, are we? I think about just what you said, teachers are stressed, students are stressed, and colleagues in, in, in different organizations and hospitals, healthcare, mm-hmm. and, and companies are stressed. So it doesn't serve the purpose. Now, what purpose should we otherwise serve? So if you say evaluation is the, is the inspiring term, how should the evaluation serve? We need to look at the purpose. So first of all, um, if we want to evaluate, so going back to schooling, if we want to evaluate learning, then evaluation is not just about judging, make a judgment about the quality of experience, but evaluation actually should enhance the process of learning, the process of education in, in, in its entirety. So that's one aim that the educa- evaluation should serve. Then you think about, okay, evaluation should also inspire the student to continue to learn. Of the, the, in contrast, exams, you remember, probably you, myself, other, all others remember the time when we do exams. As, as soon as we finished sitting the exam, it's actually everything we memorized has evaporated. Do you remember those moments? <laughs> Suddenly, it, it's relevant, finished. Yeah. Yes. Whereas if you think about evaluation, you think about that inquiry, the more we inquire about it, the more we inspired, we want to learn more. Mm-hmm. We become more interested. We're more motivated. Mm. So then you also think if relationships is a key and we actually take the relational process to evaluate learning, to give feedback, to talk about learning, mm. then the evaluation should also promote and enrich the relationship itself. So sustain, sustain the learning process, continue to inspire learning and enrich the, the relational. Um, these should be the aim of evaluation. So now going back to your question, can we present these aims to those people who are in charge or who are in power? Mm-hmm. Or just present these aims to the community and say, these should be the flavor. These should be the flavors of our evaluation. When we do it, our experience, we should experience these things. If we do the assessment, at the end of the assessment, all the student would lose interest in learning, all the teachers pressured to, into mental health problems, and the institutions are constantly having to struggle, then... This is a not good way of evaluating. Maybe that's, that's a starting point. So recognizing the importance of these aims, it would be quite helpful. Let me just go back to your question. You also say, has there any stories or practice in my life that could illustrate this, how this happened? Yes. Well, our institute, our research institute, has sponsored a, um, a school. Well, we, we sponsored a school until last year, mm-hmm. um, which has lasted for 20 years. It's a small community-based school. Mm-hmm. And uh, lots of these kind of a practical 
examples that I used for the book and also for the paper written with Professor Kenneth Gergen was inspired by what I have observed in school and relational way of teaching and learning and evaluating can work. It can work really well. But the starting point is to have that relational culture, to have the relational culture in place, to have that appreciative stance as the pillar of, of the community's um, ethos. And that would be a starting point. Mm-hmm. So the schools are classrooms and think about and, uh, children um, providing feedback, children mutually evaluate each other's work and children having dialogue with teachers and children having dialogue with each other, children collaborate with one another in, um, in reflecting the learning the content of learning, the experience of learning, and the process of learning. So all those, um, we call it relational processes, yeah. were in place in and that what school. What I also um, uh, make sense of as you're speaking is, you know, it is about wholeness. So it's understanding the whole context and not just fragmented or isolated parts And when you talked about, you know, understanding the aim of this, so it's really chunking up to what is the higher purpose or what's the higher intention of, um, you know, evaluation in the first place and in context of this school, these students, this this community. So it's really difficult to to isolate, you know, single parts of of the purpose of this because it's um, actually a much bigger, wider purpose. And I know we spoke of before we even started recording about the future of society as a whole, you know, the the relational aspects of understanding how we we create meaning together and make sense together through the, the relational processes. So then you can bring this down to the school, right? So you can take every system and apply this to every system. How does it how does it really value? itself you know from the single human system to bigger systems so you put your finger on something um the interconnectedness mm. so from the bigger for the wider world from the cosmos that's that's the wholeness that's interconnected but going back down to to schooling again what you highlighted is something that basil bernstein many years ago has suggested when you look at schooling three aspects of schooling. They are in an interlocking system. You cannot separate them. That is evaluation, curriculum, and the pedagogy. Yeah. You can, like you said, you cannot isolate, you cannot isolate anything as a kind of independent or autonomous aspect. It's always already in, in relationship. So even in schooling, these three has to be looked at together so they are interlocking for instance if we say the if we take a relational perspective the relational orientation immediately suggests that the curriculum has to have open have open-endedness it cannot be a fixed content it has to the curriculum can be emergent from the dialogue with the children amongst the teachers and with the community because curriculum is almost like the compass of what what guides our learning journeys. And in, you have to be relevant to today's world. 
today's world it has that what you described that the wholeness the interconnectedness then the emergent curriculum would be what interests us in terms of living meaningfully in this connected interconnected world yeah. and then you think about the pedagogy will nurture and enable us to to then uh, follow that journey identified it together and then the evaluation is to help us ensure that this journey we're on is intended to to the original purpose of it and help us to further enhance it all so that is just a way to illustrate your interconnected vision mm. of all mm. i am just thinking of um, a particular i'm <clears throat> teaching at the moment and i I love what you're saying about having this open-ended curriculum and the notion of emergence and it being relevant to what's going on in our world. And that uh, relates some subjects in my mind and perhaps not to others. Um, and I'm playing devil's advocate here because I have a student who I am choosing to operate from this perspective of the relational context and you know, we'll, we'll take this course of study in the direction that's going to serve you most in the work that you do. And yet she, the student, a mature age working student, wants only to get the grades. She's in it for the grades. So I'm really conflicted at the moment and I feel very stuck. So I'm seeking some, some of your perspectives here. That is really hard. Um... It's because there is a system that constantly demands um, accountability, demands so-called rigor, and um, the system that demands that you present a sheet of paper that has grades on it, and to think that the grades will respect, will, will represent your, your your potential, your quality, and so on. But on the other hand, we must also remember that what counts as quality, human quality, cannot easily be represented by a, a grade. Mm. For instance, if you say, well, appreciative um, approach is all about curiosity. So if can I give you a grade for your curiosity? Out of 10, is that your nine or your one? What is, what is, what is the measure of one's curiosity? Mm. So that may be one way of looking at um, the kind of very complex question that you, you, you just, you just um, mapped out for all of us, really, to consider. Mm. Yes, and I'm, I, um, I'm quoting you here, and I'm going to frame this quote in a question, um, Chateau, and it's, what does it take to create? And this is the quote, and you're saying, a shift from care as a virtue and disposition to care as valuing the cared for and engaging the community in caring and facilitates an exploration of a public education that is caring in terms of its aims, values, processes, and in terms of schools as learning communities. So that beautiful quote, that's a great vision there. So what does it take for us to co-create that? <laughs> if we all know the answer, the world wouldn't be, 
the way it is. <laughs> um, yeah, going back to the school that we had, that it's called, it was the Lewis New School. It, it is no more because um, the, the overall culture does not encourage um, these kind of projects and its sustainability. We had this vision of that the school has the, uh, the flourishing of the child as a centre. And um, the way we did it was to start with the conversation. For instance, at the beginning of each term, all the parents, the new and old, because some parents join the school, we come together with the teachers and, and the principal and some older children. We start with the conversation. So the vision of care, such as you just talk about, such as I have argued and values, are not imposed from outside, but emerge from those conversations we have within the community. And the more inclusive the conversation is, the more we can share that common vision. And the, um, the opposite would be parents come into the school with, to buy in a ready-made vision. This is the vision, take it or leave it. Right. And um, yes, yeah, some, sometimes the vision is good, sometimes the language use is good, but it is not as good as involving the community in this kind of a collaborative dialogue. Mm. The more we dialogue, the more we listen, the more we already experience the relational dimension of being. And the more we realize that because the listening and dialogue is itself, these processes themselves are expressions of care. So by living the care, we can care for each other. And by living the relational, we can enrich the relationships. Mm. That's so beautifully said, yeah. Is there something else that you would like to add as we begin to wind down this conversation? Or really, you've been sharing so much with us. I've just been here listening with great interest and curiosity. I feel um, it's time that we return to the drawing board. I'm going to limit my conversation with you about education here. Education has been through a, a long process and we haven't escaped from the initial, very much a factory-like model yeah. that um, goes, we put the children in and they become a, a, an end product with these attributes. But it's time to go back to the drawing board and redesign the system. So, for instance, we, we had enough of window dressing. We have enough healing the, the, the symptoms, but we need to go to the original wound almost. We're going to, we, we need to go back to the root, very root causes of all these woundedness, such as mental health issues and other, other relevant dysfunctional aspect of education. So in some ways, this process has to be a, I want to use two words. One is a spiritual, the other one is ethical. Mm. Why it, is, it has to be a spiritual process, returning to the drawing board, is spiritual because we're not there to answer this question about who we are, what we are. We seek to respond to the question who we should be, we should become, who we are as a humanity, who we ought to become, because this question is so relevant to the environmental crisis and other crises that we are seeing. 
mm. in our society. So that's a spiritual one. I think that's very much connected to your the cosmic vision of wholeness. Mm. So there's a spiritual question going back to the drawing board. The other one, I said it is an ethical one mm-hmm. because at the core of learning, of, uh, 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 of becoming, lies the human interconnectedness and the interconnected interdependence with all that is. And this relational process, this kind of the, 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 the mutual appreciation of each other's intrinsic value has to be part of our mm. vision. It has to be undistracted, undiluted, unsaturated relational. Mm. Well, I think you've just given us a beautiful description of how we can amplify relational and collaborative practices in the world. So I just want to say thank you so much. It's been such a pleasure to speak with Dr. Shertor Gill, who is located in Brighton in in the UK. And you'll be able to find links to some of Dr. Gill's work on the show notes page of this episode. And I invite you to go to positivitystrategist.com slash podcast to access these resources. So thank you, Chateau, very much for investing this time with me today. Now, thank you for um, uh, co-creating together. Indeed. I love the way you say that. What a joy to talk to Dr. Chateau Gill, co-author with Professor Kenneth Gergen of the chapter entitled Educational Evaluation, A Relational Perspective. And that's a chapter in the SAGE Handbook. And next time, we have two guests. We have Drs. Gail Simon and Leah Salter, who will be talking to me about their innovation in social construction as practice on the topic of transmaterial worlding. Yes. So this is really, really exciting stuff. So please join me next time on positivitystrategist.com slash podcast. And I'm your host, Robin Stratton-Burkessel. Thank you so much, as always, for listening.